Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Benjamin Yu with us. He's the owner of Longevity and Performance Institute, also known as LPI, which is a cash-based practice. He's also the co-founder and CFO of The Movement Network, a nonprofit organization focused on providing pro bono physical therapy services and healthcare education to underserved populations across the United States. Ben also has his OCS and CSCS. Ben, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you a little bit. And before that, though, would you be able to introduce yourself to the audience and give a little bit of a background of yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I grew up in uh, Southern California, in Arcadia, California. Uh, I got my undergraduate degree in economics, actually, at UC Davis. Uh, worked for a bit, made a career change into physical therapy a few years after I graduated. Um, so I did my um, uh, I did my studies at USC, and then I did a residency with USC as well. And then shortly after, I opened up uh, my practice, Longevity and Performance Institute, here also now in Arcadia, California. That is awesome, and I, I kind of wanted to like kind of dive into that a little deeper. You said you went to economics to begin with. Like, how did that all go, and how did you get introduced to PT, and why did you decide to make that career change? Yeah, man. You know, it's funny because I think, uh, at least growing up in my area, it was, and maybe from my, my folks too, it's like going to college is just kind of an expectation. You kind of end up there. You don't really, at least for me, I didn't know, really know what I was doing. I was just there to be there. I got an econ degree because my father was in business, and I thought it was just like, you know, a segue into, you know, doing something in business. My idea then was like, if I can collect a nice paycheck for the rest of my life, then that'll kind of allow me the freedom to live my life however I want. So I wasn't really thinking about pursuing anything that I was passionate about or anything like that. I was just focused on, you know, kind of climbing the ladder uh, based on my preconceived notions of what life should look like. And then once I graduated and I started working, um, you know, I was working, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks at a job that I hated. And uh, I just wasn't excited about it. I, I realized very quickly that, you know, you end up spending more time on your job than you do with the people you love or doing the things that you like to do. And so what a waste of a life if your job doesn't add value to, to your life. And so, um, you know, I kind of went through that for like about a year and then I quit my job. I was applying to some other, uh, some other positions out in San Francisco. I was still up in the Bay Area at the time, but none of which I was very excited about. I was just still going through the motions. I didn't know what I wanted to do really. Um, in, in between all that though, my, both my parents got sick. My father had a brain hemorrhage when I was in college and my mother got diagnosed with terminal cancer a year following that. So, um, you know, they just wanted me to kind of finish school. So I finished school and while I was working, I was, even when I was in school and when I was working, I was going home almost every weekend from North Cal to Southern California to, um, you know, look after them, help out however I could. Um, and then eventually when I quit my job after a year and I was applying to these other positions, I had spent some time back home. I didn't care my mother and we had a conversation. 
And she actually told me, hey, maybe you should look into physical therapy as a, as, as a different career option. And I, had, I didn't really know much about it then. I, I had taken my father to uh, some like neurologic specific PT sessions because um, you know, he was he had a subdural hematoma and, and then he had multiple strokes. And so um, you know, he needed some physical therapy and some rehab. And then my mother obviously needed some as well for cancer related things. And I didn't—I—I I, I never really knew what was going on uh, very specifically. Also, very young, uh, kind of stuck in my own head. Uh, but when she was like, "Yeah, you should consider this as a different career option. I think it matched you a little bit better." Uh, I didn't know anything about it, so I looked into it. I thought it was just like personal training, and you know, I have an exercise background, and I, I grew up very active, and so I used to do some strength and conditioning coaching as well. But you know, I didn't think that—I didn't really want that to be my career. And, uh, but when I looked into it a bit more, and then. Well, when I looked into it a bit more, I found it quite interesting. And then once I started, I had so I had no science background, so I had to go back to community college actually for two years to get all my science prereqs done. And once I started learning about anatomy and physiology and all these things, actually I found it very fascinating. Um, so I found my passion then, and then you know I was a completely different person once I got into grad school and once I started pursuing PT. Um, that's kind of how I ended up there, and and. And, and now I'm much happier for it. I'm, I'm very satisfied with my career. I, I find it very intellectually stimulating with uh, all these folks that come in with different issues and really digging in deep uh, to find out what's going on with them versus kind of applying these cookie cutter methods that I think I think uh, the industry is starting to move away from uh, just because we know that that's not how things work or the body's a little more complicated than that, right? Um, so yeah, that's how I ended up here. That is awesome. That is like definitely a different path than I've heard from the typical person on the podcast. And thank you for sharing that. And I, I love that you're able to be introduced to it and loved it so much that you chose a career here in this profession. And I, and I kind of wanted to know now you, I created LPI. Um, I wanted to know why a little bit about LPI and why you decided to open up like your own cash based practice. Was that something that you always envisioned from the get go when you got introduced to PT or did that come with time? Could you elaborate a little on that? Sure. Yeah, I think I think there was always uh, a part of me that wanted to have something of my own. Um, so when I started pursuing PT, I think my end goal was always to have a clinic of some sort. Um, but the, how it was going to run, I, I, you know, I wasn't quite sure. But once I started going like clinical rotations and kind of seeing how the the American healthcare system is set up, I, I really started hating the system. Uh, you know, insurance-based models, private insurance companies. It's like the reimbursement rates every year they get lower and lower. So in order for these places to stay afloat, to accept insurance, they need to see two, three, four patients an hour. And you know, quality of care then is terrible. You, you see these folks for like 10, 15 minutes, you don't really know what's going on with them. You, you hand them off to an aide who's just maybe coming out of high school, just bring them, you take them through some exercises, and then you put them on heat or electrical stimulation or ultrasound. These things that you know, we know that doesn't really help much but insurance companies still reimburse for it, so so they you know they do that, right? Uh, it's a waste of everybody's time. It's a waste of everybody's copay. These people pay the copay twenty five to seventy five dollars, even more than that, twice a week for six months, and they get marginally better. And and I hated working in that system. And um, so once I got out, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I actually want to help people. I kind of have to operate in my own in my own way. So um, accepting insurance was just too much of a headache. And it doesn't prioritize patients. It prioritizes profits over patients. Um, so, you know, I wanted to do the opposite and allow enough time uh, to actually get to know some of these people, uh, figure out what's really going on with them, and, and kind of guide them through their, their own healing process. 
Um, and I found it to be a lot more beneficial than operating within uh, an insurance-based model. Perfect. And yeah, I kind of wanted to know with that, um, what is kind of the clinic layout and the typical patient population at LPI? Could you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, man. So right now I have a room, like a private treatment room inside of a CrossFit gym. Uh, operate outside or inside of CrossFit region here in Arcadia, California. Um, and so uh, we have shared gym space, but, you know, obviously we use that gym space whenever we need to. Um, you know, early rehab, we'll, we'll spend more time here inside the treatment room. Um, but my particular niche that I, I tend to serve are actually uh, anywhere typically between, let's say, 25 to 55. Uh, they're like weekend warriors. Um, but they've had a chronic injury. So they've had an injury, let's say low back pain for two plus years, three plus years. They've seen 10 different chiropractors or PTs or orthopedists or primary care physicians, and nobody was able to help them. And so those are the people that I like to serve. Um, you know, people who have kind of been through the American healthcare system, they've kind of gotten jerked around. Um, I'm sure everybody along the way was doing their best to try to help them, but because of the constraints of let's say time in a visit, you'll see your orthopedist, you wait three weeks to see them and you get a five minute visit with them, they go over a scan and tell you that you have this going on with you, but that doesn't help you much most of the time, you know what I mean? So that's just how the system is set up and a lot of people don't get help and so I like to serve those people. There you go and yeah, that, that is, that's such a great way to be able to help people out in the best way possible and, and try to give that time. I think time is such an important thing in, in the world of PT and world of healthcare. I agree, um, yeah. And so it, you having that time to be able to help them is, is such a key thing. Um, and I wanted to know with that, I guess, like with cash-based kind of practice settings, what are some of the unique challenges of opening a cash-based practice? Um, what are some of the things that you enjoy most? You kind of, I mean, elaborated on time and, and having that, that flexibility with it and being able to treat the patient how you want to. Um, yeah, what are some of the, I guess, the pros and the cons uh, of each or those challenges that you've experienced? Yeah, I think, I think off the bat, some of the challenges or some of the risks that you assume are, you know, number one, not necessarily relying on referrals, referrals sources, right? Not getting friendly with the MDs or surgeons around the area and relying on, um, them to refer patients to you because typically they're, they're they refer within like an insurance model right um so you have to be confident in your ability to provide a valuable service where people are willing to pay out of pocket for it so i think with any business right at the end of the day whether you're selling a good or a service at the end of the day people are paying for the value right is this worth this this uh price tag right what's the value that i'm going to get from this and and i think uh with a cash-based practice Though you have some of those challenges up front, I think if you are confident in your ability to serve these folks, and if you are always working on honing in your skill set, then I think your clients feel that, and and more, they're more than willing to pay out of pocket because they know that you're invested in their healthcare as much as they are themselves. More more than that, I think people who pay out of pocket, they put skin in the game, and they're more willing to get themselves better. Right, because the human body, at the end of the day, what it does best is heal itself. You just have to create an environment for that healing. So people are coming to physical therapy because their body has adapted into some sort of painful cycle. And physical therapists are no more than guides, right? I'm just guiding these people to teach them how to create a better environment for their body, so that the body can heal itself, get stronger in certain areas, and whatever that might be, right? Um, but when people pay out of pocket, and um, that they're they are very different than the people who pay the copay 
You know, it's like if I if I get something for free, I treat it like it's worth nothing, right? And that's just human nature, let's say. And so it, the same goes for healthcare. If I pay twenty dollars for a visit and I get put on ice and heat and stim, and it's a twenty minute visit in an in network model, I'm like, this is kind of worthless. And when a pandemic hits, now it's like I don't need to keep going here, right? But if I'm paying a couple hundred dollars for an hour of this person's time, uh, and I see the value in that, then it doesn't matter pandemic or not. It's like, I see the value in this and I'm willing to pay out of pocket for it because I'm committed to, to myself. And uh, I know that this person is committed to me and you know all of the above, even just that mentality in and of itself allows the person to get better faster anyway. So I think I think the pros far outweigh the cons in terms of opening up a, a cash-based practice. Um, but I think the onus is on the, the therapist and the clinic owner um, to to really be confident in in, in your ability to, to to help people get well. Yeah, I think that is such a, a great point that you talk about, like the importance of showing value in in what you're doing and and providing that quality of care. Because if they can really see that, like with anything in life. If you are seeing that that quality and that that importance, you're going to want to pay extra for for a specific quality of brand or of that care in that sense. Um, right. So you talked a little bit about it, marketing and kind of like getting out there and creating those referral sources. Um, not that maybe the like most conventional way of PT, but what are some of those big things that you learned along the way with that? How did you? Um, what are any of the, some of those aha moments that you had? And okay, these are some ways to really get that outreach to to grow my practice? Like what are some of those things that you've encountered? Yeah, so I've only been in business for about a year. Um, and one of the best decisions I made was early on, even right before I started, I hired a business coach. So, you know, he, he and his team really helped to hone in uh, this idea of targeting a specific niche. Because a lot of people who I think will open practices, you know, they're like, hey, my doors are open. I treat everybody. Everybody's welcome. Just come on in. But you know, when you speak to everybody, you technically speak to nobody. So being able to niche down, you know, you asked me about the people that I serve, and this is my particular avatar, this person, right? This 45-year-old male who has three kids who's had back pain for five years, has seen 10, 10 different PTs, and, and now they're, they're, they have some time after taking care of their kids, they're a little bit more grown, now they want to invest into taking care of their low back. And, you know, envisioning these types of people is, is, is how I target my marketing. So a lot of my let's say Instagram um, uh, content is targeted towards like a different perspective on PT because I'm trying to, I'm trying to target these folks who have been through a traditional setting and not gotten the results. So, so um, yeah. What was, the, what was the other part of the question? Oh, I think it was just kind of creating that. Like, like how do you create that? Uh, those referral sources, I guess, like, is that a lot through like, yeah. pa- like previous patients or how does gotcha. that work? Gotcha. So, yeah, I almost all of my referral sources are word of mouth. I have a handful that come from uh, Yelp, an even smaller handful that comes from Google. Um, but right now, I don't, I don't really do any paid advertising or anything like that outside of um, outside of just having my Yelp page up there. Um, but you know, focusing on some of these marketing funnels is what I'm going to be doing over the next year or so, um, so that I can continue to scale the business. But right now. Over this last year, I've just been trying to manage the growth because it's grown quite quickly, um, and I'm very grateful for that. And so uh, I've gotten in this hole of kind of just being an employee to my own business. And and in a client-facing business, you know, if you spend 10 hours a day treating patients, 
you really don't have any other time to build on the back end or scale the business. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, so that's what I'm juggling currently. Uh, but you know, when I do have the time, when I hire some more folks and I, um, hopefully I'm opening up another spot, uh, by the end of next or by the beginning of next year, um, that'll free up some of my time to, to scale the business in that way and, and kind of focus in some of these marketing, uh, marketing campaigns. That is awesome. I, I love too that early on you said that you realized like, Hey, I need to find somebody that knows these things and you hired a business coach. Cause I feel like although we as physical therapists, um, want to become entrepreneurs and have that mindset. Like at least I love my program. I'm so grateful for it. And I learned a ton of things, but on the business aspect, we only had like one class. And so it's, yeah, exactly. I, I definitely don't feel prepared in regards to opening up my own clinic right away. I mean, obviously the clinical skills, I feel like a lot more prepared and having those things. Um, but the business side and wanting to become an entrepreneur that just because of the, of the matter of education, passing boards, those are emphasized on boards, So they're not going to teach them as much. And so, I think that was such a great move that you made to to find that and be able to have someone that knows those like has those skills were really well crafted and reach out to them and help them help guide you in creating your own your own practice. I think such a great move. For sure. And now I kind of also wanted to I wanted to kind of ask you the question and this is something that I guess I always have the question on is and you mentioned it before having that skin in the game. How do you help patients realize the value of cash-based PT as compared to insurance-based companies? Because yes, the copay is a less amount. They might have to do some more visits. Like, do you feel you're able to kind of get the patient over the hurdles faster as compared to the like insurance-based model? Because that obviously it, it is a commitment. And so how do they realize through like you that hey, this treatment is going to be such a great quality that I'm willing to invest and sacrifice a little bit more because I know what I'm getting. Like, what have you, what have you found as you are working with each client, um, is it with each patient to really help them envision that and see those things? Yeah. Um, I think, I think the biggest thing is honing in on the evaluation. And, and what I mean by that is uh, a lot of folks who end up coming through the door, right? There's already been a, a number of touch points meaning uh, they found me somehow, whether it's word of mouth or Yelp, or they read some reviews, some sort of social proof. So that's really kind of buffering this idea that, hey, maybe this person can help me. And then uh, the way that I, I set it up is that we set up a consultation call. And so it's a free consultation where I get 20, 30 minutes to chat with, with them beforehand and see what's going on, see what's on the goal, see if I'm the best person to treat them. And if so, I can let them know and, and give them this sort of confidence that, hey, everything that you're telling me right now, I'm confident we can figure this out together. And if it's something that I don't feel confident with, then I'll tell them, you know, up front, hey, I'd love to at least refer you to somebody that I think is better suited to treat you. And so from, you know, off the get-go, I think they, they already feel that, hey, this person's here to help me. They're, they just don't want my money, you know, and, and that's really who I am in general anyway. You know what I mean? Um, so, so I think from that, once they are actually scheduled for the eval, you know, we already had some rapport built up from a previous phone conversation. And, and so... I've spent a lot of time honing in on my evaluation skills in a sense of, can we be very specific? Can we be very diagnostic? Can we do it quickly? And then can we get them out of pain in that same visit? Right? Because that's how you add value. It's like, this person's had back pain for 10 years. They've seen 10 different people. And now, uh, in, in less than 45 minutes, you get this person from an 8 out of 10 back pain to like 2 out of 10 or even 0. Right? It's like, wow, this person probably can help me. And so now they're willing, you know, that's, that's all you need. Right? That's all you need. And so it kind of goes back to my point of, you know, if, if uh, at the end of the day, I think what keeps cash-based practices alive is word of mouth. And people are going to 
you know, share that they had a good experience with you on their own volition if you're good at what you do. Um, but the onus also is on you to constantly be improving. You know what I mean? Like to constantly be hungry to learn more. And when you can't figure this person out, because I've already had a handful of people I can't figure out. I refer other people out too in the middle of care. It's like we tried all the things that I know. I know this other person probably knows more than me. So let's go there together. Let's learn together. And then, you know, let's, let's work it out together. And so I think just being open and, and honest with yourself in that way, um, you know, allows for the patient to kind of feel, you know, uh, willing, I guess, more willing to let you be their guide. And, and you know, at the end of the day, too, uh, the folks that are finding finding me, typically, you know, the difference between like a $100 session versus a $150 session versus 200 it's like negligible in a sense because they're already willing to pay. You know, they just need to know that it's valuable enough. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of answer your question. No, that perfectly does. I feel like that is such a, a great a great topic that you talked about right there. That really, that first those first impressions are so important in what they envision the value is going to be. And that creating such great first impressions um, through that phone interview that you have and the eval um, really sets the precedent of what the rest of that care is. And I feel like just in any in any setting in general, PT, if you really want to exemplify kind of what they're going to be expecting, you should do that from the get-go and really try to show like, hey, we're trying to give you the best quality care and have it be patient-centered. And I think that's going to be that's going to be so beneficial. Um, I also kind of wanted Agreed. to talk about, yeah, yeah, thank you for, for yeah. sharing that. Um, and I wanted to go into a little bit about uh, kind of moving over to the Movement Network. Um, you are the co-founder and CFO of that. Could you share with us a little bit about what that is and why you decided to kind of co-create that? Yes. So uh, the Movement Network started off actually as like a grassroots um, group of folks, all actually colleagues uh, that I graduated with um, from USC. So uh, a couple of years ago, uh, after the George, George Floyd murder, um, we had banded together, uh, kind of just offering free physical therapy services to protesters uh, who were out there getting injured from either police officers or, you know, just they were just coming off the couch and now they're marching for like six hours a day or whatever it might be. You know what I mean? So we kind of just wanted, you know, we had a passion for social justice and we wanted to keep people kind of moving in that direction. And we wanted to offer our services um, to kind of support that. So uh, it started off like that. And then it kind of branched off and grew into this umbrella company called the Movement Network, um, where we are now a, a nonprofit corporation, uh, hopefully moving towards uh, tax exempt uh, 501c3. And so now uh, we've amassed a network of physical therapists over, uh, I think, at least over 15 states um, who are serving their communities to some degree uh, with pro bono physical therapy services in their particular communities. So. Uh, we have these particular projects. So the, the whole idea is to serve underinsured and underserved communities, just to provide physical therapy services, more like a triage service to kind of, kind of providing healthcare education too for folks who may, may not have received it, may not have had access to it. So we work with different groups around particular communities um, to serve those folks. And I think it's, at least for me, it's like you get into the healthcare profession because you want to help people, you know what I mean? Or typically. And so, uh, me personally, it's like I understand that opening up a cash practice, it takes a lot of people out of that equation. You know what I mean? A lot of people who need healthcare, in fact, most of the people who need it most probably aren't able to afford 
you know, paying out of pocket for every visit. And so for me, at least, it's like a great way to not only uh, serve another passion of mine to of helping people, but also reconcile some of this like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this cash-based practice because I like serving this population and I need to put food on my table. But at the end of the day too, you know, I, I don't mind offering my services. In fact, I want to, I still want to help other people uh, who may not be able to come into my doors and pay me out of pocket, right? So it's kind of been a, a, a nice adjunct to to this um, and it's been fun being involved. That's awesome. No, I, I feel you kind of get the best of both worlds in that sense to be able to, uh, with, with the cash base and also with the movement network. Um, and I kind of wanted to know, as being a co-founder and CFO, what are some of the responsibilities that you personally have um, with the movement network? Yeah, so currently uh, we have an executive committee. Uh, we meet twice a month typically, and then we discuss particular projects that we need or that we're working on currently. Uh, right now, we're involved with a mobile clinic, um, UCLA Mobile Clinic out here in Southern California, where it's a group of uh, medical, nursing, um, social work uh, students. Um, so more of like a triage service for uh, serving the homeless population uh, in, out in Hollywood. So they set up a free clinic uh, once, a, or I think a few times a month every on Wednesday nights, but we only go once a month. And we provide free physical therapy services to the homeless population as they're getting triaged um, by the other folks there. Uh, and then we have a, a handful of other projects um, serving the Latinx community here in Los Angeles. And then we're trying to start, so the Movement Network, again, we, we're also like a pretty young company, or, or pretty young organization rather. Um, so we're trying to jumpstart some projects outside of California, just because it's easier to manage right now because most of our folks are here in Southern California. Um, but yeah, just, just kind of hopping on meetings, uh, seeing how we can plan and make actionable, uh, meet actionable items so that we can meet our yearly goals in terms of expanding our physical therapy network, in terms of serving more communities across the United States, uh, et cetera. Um, and then responsibilities as CFO are just, you know, managing some of the financials, donations, uh, you know, logistical things. Yeah, not, nothing too crazy. Gotcha. No, but that is awesome. And I, I wanted to know, like, what are, what is your guys' vision? What is your guys' like end goal with this organization? And what can people do if they're interested in helping out? Yeah. So the end goal is really right now to continue to grow and see how much this organization can can serve as a platform for educating underserved communities uh, across the United States uh, in regards to healthcare and providing physical therapy services. Um, you know, I, I think really it's like no, no system in the body acts alone. And, and I think when, usually when you have some sort of physical pain, it's, it's compounded by some emotional or spiritual stress, whatever it might be. And, and so I think just being able to serve people in this way to, make, to improve their physical health and even improve their emotional health when you're able to explain to them what's going on with their bodies, it gives them some semblance of control. Uh, I think it helps people in a very holistic way. And so I think, uh, yeah, so serving all the communities across America that way um, as best we can, I think that's the end goal currently. Uh, but again, we're very young and it's been very fluid and we're seeing how other people who are getting involved, who want leadership roles, uh, we, you know, we're taking what they have to say into consideration to see where they want to take the organization as well. and. It's, yeah, again, right now it's very fluid. Uh, at the end of the day, we're just trying to do some good. That's awesome. I really, 
I'm really grateful for you guys and, and having this idea and being able to grow and progress it. Honestly, like, yeah, you guys are mainly out of California, you guys said. Um, I, myself and, a, and a, a couple other classmates I know are really interested in this type of work. Um, how, like, what are some of the things if they're out of state, kind of, or out of California, what would be some of the things that we can do, like, best way to contact and reach out to be able to, if we want to help grow and, and progress this network? Yeah, so uh, if, you, if you want more information, uh, feel free to check out our website. It's themovementnetwork.org. Uh, if you want to get involved, uh, please shoot us an email. Uh, you can reach out to us at info at themovementnetwork.org. You can also DM us at our Instagram page. It's at movementnetwork, so without the the in the beginning. Uh, we also have a Twitter page. It's at MVMT underscore network, so movement abbreviated underscore network. Uh, you can find all the information on those through those avenues uh, or reach out to us directly. And whether you're a student or whether you've been practicing for one year or you've been practicing for 30 years, uh, we'll likely have a, a way that you can get involved. Whether it's even, even if you want to lend your creative talents to helping us manage our social media page or if you want to, uh, you know, set up telehealth sessions with folks in your community, um, you know, we have ways to, to get you involved and, and help all those things uh, get going. That so we would love all. your help. That's perfect. Thank you so much. And I, I hope everyone is able to take up that offer and, and help continue to grow the profession um, and help those underserved communities have those great experiences with physical therapy. Um, and yeah, before I just wanted to ask a couple other questions. Um, sure. It's kind of pivoting it away from that. Is what is something that you had wished you had learned sooner in your career that you have felt has been such a benefit in in your progress and your growth as a PT? Do you have anything that comes to mind when I say that? Something I wish I had learned sooner. Mm, I think. I think. Well. I'll, I'll tell you something that I'm glad I learned early, and I would have regretted if I didn't. Um, and that was this idea of just this abundance mindset. Uh, you know, even before I started this practice, I've had some mentors that I've looked up to who run their businesses or treat their lives and the people around them with this, what we call an abundance mindset. And what that means is, I think it's easier to kind of explain the, the opposition of that first is the scarcity mindset. I think a lot of people who open businesses operate from the scarcity mindset where I'm not going to have enough, right? I can't share with other people. I need a penny pinch. Um, you know, it's just, it, it, it's like, uh, I think people end up feeling that energy where, where you are so concerned about the bottom line that people don't actually get served. But I think when you operate your entire life and your business around this abundance mindset where there's more than enough for everybody, right? If you don't know something, refer it out. If, if, if your patient needs, you know, an extra couple of TheraBands, like just give them a couple extra TheraBands, right? or whatever it might be, it's like, how much can I give you? Uh, and at the end of the day, it's, it's how much can I give you? Um, and I think people really feel that, and it adds to this idea of, of understanding the value that you bring to the table and the value that they're you know, paying for, really. But um, I, I think when you do it in a genuine way, it really allows for growth very quickly. And I was lucky enough to have had mentors who, who really hammered that into me early on. And by my second month, I already had a full schedule because I think people were just telling a bunch of other people like, hey, this guy's great. You know, he's helping, helping me with my shoulder, my neck, my low back or whatever it is. And then, you know, I've been I've been back to back patients, sometimes 10, 11 hours a day for the last six plus months, um, weekends as well. So it's been it's been a very uh, amazing experience. 
and 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 I'm very intentional about continuing to really try to cultivate this abundance mindset. How, how can I serve my people better? All the money that I'm making right now, I direct, I put it right back into the business so that I can, so that people have a better and better experience. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, that, I'm very grateful that, that, that I learned that early. I love that. I've heard that a couple of times already. And I feel like having an abundance mindset and really trying to give, like, like another one I've heard like, correlated with that is like giving, like the go giver instead of the go getter, like really trying mm-hmm. to give and provide the most you can to people. Like, I really feel like us as a professional, we're there to help people out and provide for them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if we are in that mindset, it's going to be beneficial for us. It's going to be, we're going to focus on them and really want to help them out. And so I love that. Um, and yeah, before wrapping up everything, I want to know, is there any other additional advice um, or information that you'd like to share with us? And also, if someone's interested in talking with you more um, on the Movement Network, but also on creating a, a cash-based practice, um, what would be the best way to contact you? Sure. Um, so in terms of advice, I, I, you know, over the years, my mantra, or more recently, my mantra has really been manifest the reality you offer yourself. I think a lot of people end up feeling victim to their own circumstances and then they live a life that they don't even like. And they kind of stay stuck in this rut um, because maybe either one, they don't have the resources to take action and change what's going on, or number two, they just don't know how to do that or maybe um, have never done it, so it's they're making, you, you know, they're kind of fearing what might be next. Um, so they just want to stay comfortable, but even them being comfortable, they're quite unhappy with their circumstance, I think. You know, again, kind of my trajectory from changing careers and, and, and jumping through all these hoops to, to get to where I'm at, um, it, it really was just me deciding that even if there's a ton of roadblocks along the way, if I'm single-mindedly focused on this one goal at the end, this I can manifest this reality. And, and I think I'm living that now. And and I would encourage everybody to, to, to believe that about themselves, to have more confidence in themselves than, than anybody else has in you. And I really do think that you can get to wherever you want with enough time and with enough uh, persistence. Um, so I think that would be my, my advice. And also for entrepreneurs, if you already know that you'd rather work 60 to 80 hours for yourself than 40 hours for somebody else, then don't wait to start doing your own thing. Absolutely don't wait. Otherwise, you'll stay unhappy. Um, so yeah, if, if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can shoot me an email, benjamin.uyu at lpiphysicaltherapy.com. So that's benjamin.uyu at lpiphysicaltherapy.com. Um, the Instagram handle for our, um, for our company here is lpi underscore physical therapy. Um, so check us out there if you're interested. Um, and yeah. Perfect. Thank you for all the insight, Ben, on this episode. Um, I really enjoyed it to be able to learn more about cash-based practices. I feel that's something that's continuing to grow in a profession and a great way to be able to help patients give that quality time and care for them. Um, And also talking to us about the Movement Network um, and ways that we can be able to help the underserved parts of our community and really provide them that same quality of care that they may not have that same availability in, in their lives to do. Um, so we're grateful for that and all the nuggets that you shared along the way. I'm really excited to be able to go back and listen and kind of analyze those things about be able to provide and show that value that we have as physical therapists and helping people understand that so that they in turn can really be motivated and have that buy-in as well. That's something that I really, as as we were talking, that really stood out to me and that I want to mm-hmm. focus on. Even today, I have my clinicals in a little bit. I want to focus mm-hmm. on that and try to help them always understand how Love much of a, of a care and a value we're giving to them. 
Love it. All right. Yeah, well, thanks so much for the opportunity to share those things, man. I appreciate you. Yep. Thank you so much, Ben. All right. Um, but you have a great day, and thank you again for coming on. You too. Thank you, JT. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next time.